Well, this will be an interesting homily for all of us since it's uh, it's going to be directed towards me. (laughs) As you've seen, uh, the readings today are really uh, about the priests. And as we all are aware, there's so many ways of making mistakes as priests. And uh, we have to suffer, uh, the priests in the church. So often, uh, the preaching is just... You know, Archbishop Thomas Wenske of Miami, he's from Lake Worth. He always says that he became a priest just so that he would never have to listen to another priest preach. (laughs) And I don't know how funny he's being, but (laughs) um, I imagine there's other reasons. But there really are uh, lots of ways of of going astray, and priests say all kinds of things. I'm I'm so grateful for my, my canon law professor, Monsignor Andy Anderson, because before him, my whole life in school, we were always encouraged to guess. Well, if you don't know the answer, just guess. Just try. You know, throw something out there. So with this whole education, all of a sudden we get to canon law. And if you ever guessed with him, he would throw stuff at you. Whether it was a donut or his cane. He would scream and bang and say, is that a guess? Are you guessing? And this was wonderful because it was a a pastoral thing, because he knew that someday we would be priests, and that after Mass or here or there, someone would come with a question, and we wouldn't know the answer, but because we're the priests, we want to seem like we know everything, so we would be tempted to guess. And then with that guess, that person is going to leave there with, with, with those words of the priest in their mind forever as the very words of God. And for, and for years and years, they'll say, well, Father so-and-so told me this. And it was just a guess. It's like, we're not here to guess. I wonder if there was a priest guessing when he talked to my uncle. My oldest uncle, <clears throat> I found out about this later in my life, he was separated from his spouse, divorced by the state, and his wife petitioned the church for an annulment and received a judgment of nullity. So she had an annulment. So then my uncle, Joe, talks to this priest, and the priest tells him, well, your wife got the annulment, but you didn't, so you're still married. How can you be married to nobody? I said, either this priest is just the most dense person to have walked the earth and slept through seminary, or just purely lied Or my uncle heard what he wanted to hear, or what, I have no idea. But this kind of stuff, you know, this kind of confusion kind of happens. There's no way that 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 situation is possible. Anyway, or how about uh, Monsignor Andy Anderson? He would always repeat to us, ordination is not a license for private practice. I'm not here to make stuff up. Doesn't matter what the best idea is that I think. But, you know, in, in confession, I hear all kinds of things. People tell me, well, Father... You know, Father so-and-so, you know, in confession another time, told me this. And I would be like, well, how old is Father so-and-so? You know, and say, well, he's from this era. And, you know, this was the pastoral practice. Really, he's trying to do the best that he can. But, you know, sometimes priests, for people who are, you know, separated from their spouse and remarried, they'll do things like have marriage ceremonies in the private forum. And it's just, you know, stuff like that. We don't do this. It's just, it's not the church's practice. We can't solve people's problems as priests.
But oftentimes priests are tempted to want to solve people's problems going against what is the normal practice of the church. Or I've heard people tell me in the confessional that they were denied absolution from some priests. I say, denied absolution? I, I, in my life, in 10 years as a priest, has never, have never denied absolution to anybody. Sometimes I haven't given absolution, but it's like at the end of confession, I say, well, are you sorry for your sins? Which sorrow includes the intention to not sin again. Uh, no, you're not sorry? Well, then I can't absolve you. It's just like that. I'm sorry. If you're not sorry for your sins, even if I said the words of absolution, you wouldn't be absolved. But if you make a good confession and you say, I'm sorry for my sins and I intend not to sin again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you absolution. I mean, that's just the way it is. But again, you know, some priests take it as a, as a license for, for private practice. So there's a couple things I want to say connected to this uh, with the final judgment at the end. With the priesthood, this is one of the reasons I am totally 100% in favor of an all-celibate priesthood. Because let me tell you guys, the priesthood is so much fun that I think married guys would be really tempted to become priests, you know, if they could and, and be married. It's just, it's such a great, it's such a great life. And uh, the kind of experiences uh, that, that people uh, bring me into, uh, the, the places that I go, the opportunities that I have, that, you know, if, if there wasn't the celibacy thing, it could be very easy, you know, as a career thing. This was so strange. I never thought about this, but like Anglicans, you know, who can be married, they look at it as like, well, should I become a priest? Like, accept that as a, as a career, go study theology and, and do this thing. But because of celibacy, it has to be a supernatural calling. It simply has to be a supernatural calling. It can't be something at the normal, natural level where people who say, well, I like to speak publicly, I like to minister to people, I just like to do this stuff naturally. Which, because of that, you end up having this strange thing where you have people who are called to be priests who aren't good at any of those things. You know, you have priests who are terrible public preachers. They're just not good. But, I mean, it's not an objection to their call. In the church, it's the question about whether or not you're a good public speaker is not a question of the vocation at all. I know priests who don't like people. <laughs> I'm not one of them, you know. <laughs> but I've really, I've met these people. I, I, I know a priest, he said, yeah, I just, I don't like, I don't like people. I don't like talking to them. I said, how did you get ordained? He said, well, they never asked me. <laughs> You know, he loves celebrating Mass. He loves his ministry in so many ways, but he doesn't like... So the celibacy really keeps it uh, this supernatural thing. The other thing of all the things uh, spoken of in the Gospel, sort of privileges of the priesthood, you know, people uh, speaking to you publicly, getting the, the nice uh, place to sit at the party, is not, it's not so true today, is it? The priesthood's not so respected. It's not universally respected. And I think this is a good thing. Because once again, somebody who thinks, well, they want, to, they want to have a place that's easily recognizable as this public thing where they can just get into this and have certain amounts of respect or power or whatever, you just can't get that in the priesthood anymore. I remember leaving a Flanagan's as a, as a young priest 
down in West Palm in the middle of the day. And there was this group of adults in the patio who started to heckle me and yell at me. And uh, they called me, they called me, uh, they called me everything but a child of God. And uh, wow, that felt really bad. I remember Jesus says that you'll be blessed and, and happy if people persecute you for my name. I, I, think, I think there must be some other level that I just didn't experience at that time. But I thought, how about that? I'm a priest and they're making fun of me. So there's all kinds of things. But once again, this sort of protects the priesthood in terms of it, it needing to be a supernatural call, which here's my final judgment. Christianity itself is the proclamation that God has become man and continues to dwell here among us. And if we remain at the surface level of things, we'll never truly be able to discover this fact in its greatness, that because God became man and continues to be here with us, he continues to make himself present through the priesthood. And not only through the priesthood, as we know the church clearly teaches, the people who speak, who do the readings, the first reading, the psalm, the second reading, the gospel, that God uses their mouths to proclaim the word to us himself. That when we hear scripture read at church, it's God himself uh, reading uh, the word to us. And so in the church, we cannot remain at the surface level of things. Well, this is true, this is true in all reality. That as St. John Vianney says, the priesthood is the love of the heart of Jesus. That God, that Christ wants to continue his ministry on earth and he does so through the ministerial priesthood. And in this way, my friends, everything gets oriented towards being with Christ. Everything is about that. And so we should pray for our priests. We should give God thanks for them. And we should live lives that should be in accordance with uh, the, dig the dignity of the calling of all of us Christians. Because priests, if they pretend to be holy, because people pretend like they should be holy according to a certain image, then priests themselves end up getting messed up. Not to continue on this because there's lots that could be said, you know. But, you know, priests are human like everybody else. And all of us who are called to live a supernatural calling in our baptism find this strange paradoxical thing of being a Christian in the world. So let's not try to put ourselves against each other but live together in a way to build the kingdom of God and to recognize the presence of Christ.